I'm so excited to be in church tonight, and um, I'm going to use this one little moment to make a, um, a personal recognition, recognition, I know the word, of, <laughs> of Mr. Michael White. <laughs> and, I, and I'm recognizing him because I love that guy so dearly, and I forgot to text you on your birthday, so your dad came in my office, and I was like, it's your kid's birthday, and I was like, happy birthday, da, 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 and then I never text you, and I always text him on his birthday, and he always FaceTimes me, so anyway, we missed our opportunity, so I just needed to publicly apologize for <laughs> missing your birthday, because I want you to know that I love you, and I'm glad to see you tonight, so anyway, all right, so I had to get that out, so anyway, um, tonight, I want to talk to you about speaking to the storm. So, you know, I know it's, it's healing, but it really applies. And I want to talk to you about confession and using your words. Now, if you've been around Word of Life Christian Center for, uh, you know, long or any period of time, you've probably heard some messages on confession. And um, it doesn't matter it's in the Bible, and if it's in the Bible, it's fair game. So it doesn't matter if you heard about it this morning or if you heard about it last week. That's what God wanted me to speak about, so I'm going to repeat. Because <laughs> the word is good. Amen. And if you're anything like me, you probably need to hear it and 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 hear it, and hear it you know, before you do something with it. A little smidge. So anyway, um, so many people fail to receive what they pray for because of a lack of understanding about confession. And so I just want to encourage you to speak more, speak the word more. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16, and this is the New King James Version, and we're going to look at the scripture in a couple different versions. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That second half of the scripture connects to the first half because he helps us to hold fast and to maintain our confession. He gives us the grace. He gives us the mercy in, in time of need. And, you know, it's really interesting. A lot of times I'll have a lot of words except for when something goes wrong. And the first thing I want to do is clam up. It's really weird. Like, you know, I could be la, 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 but usually if I'm quiet, then people are like, what's wrong? Right? You know, you know people like that. And it's really interesting how, you know, you, you, the very thing that can free you from whatever it is, is the very thing that you want to hold on to, which is your words and speaking the word. And the Passion Translation says, so now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. The Greek word for the um, word strengthen is boethia. Oh, I don't know. I tried. <laughs> I practiced at home and then I forgot how I practiced it. But anyway, it's B-O-E-T-H-E-I-A. If you speak Greek, let me know. 
And that word means urgent help. So the word strengthens means urgent help, and it's often used as reinforcing as a ship in a storm. So this is where I got the title of the message from, Speak to the Storm, because I was reading through that, and I was like, that word strengthen means reinforcing a ship in a storm? And then in the notes, it says, see Acts 27, 17. Now, that is a phenomenal story about a, you know, Paul being on the ship and being shipwrecked, and you know, anyway... A phenomenal story. I'm not going to take the time to read it because we'll go through some other ship illustrations, but I encourage you to read Acts chapter 27. Read it in the New Living Translation because it's really like, I mean, you're like sitting down and it's a great, great story. And um, so we'll refer to it a little bit as we go along. The mirror translation of Hebrews 4.16 says, for this reason, we can approach the authority throne of grace with bold utterance. We are welcomed there in his embrace and we are reinforced with immediate effect in times of trouble. Reinforce, especially a rope or a chain for frapping a vessel in a storm. So, you know, I'm reading this and I'm like, hold fast to your confession and God, you'll help me in my weakness when I want to let go of that confession of faith. And you reinforce me like a, a ship in a storm. Now, I like to do some stuff outdoors, but I'm, I don't consider myself an outdoorsy person. Definitely do not enjoy being on a boat. I mean... I'm motions, yeah, this is not my thing, you know. One time I went, I was in Hawaii, and um, if you've ever been like out of town or like, you know, someplace like Hawaii, there's people on the street and they want you to check out their vacation rentals or whatever, and if you'll come sit to a meeting, they'll give you something free. So I was with all my friends, and so um, we, they were like, come on, you know, they're offering us a dinner cruise on a boat, and I was like, no way. Come on, you'll have a good time. So anyway, we sat through this presentation. No, 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 no. And then that night we ended up on this dinner cruise. And I mean, the boat was going like this and like this and like this. And I was on the side of the boat feeding the fish. (laughs) So definitely not one of my favorite outdoor activities. Anybody in high school go over to Catalina Island and see the, the whales, you know, you take that, that boat, right? Mm-mm, didn't work for me. So anyway, so I'm like, I don't know very much about ships, but let me read and figure this out. So I'm Googling ships going through a storm and what they do. Now, it's really very interesting. And so Googling this and then reading the story about Paul and the ship rally, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like all the same thing. So anyway, storms at sea are harrowing experiences. So um, especially like if, if a ship is in a storm like a hurricane, you know, ships are built to go through some type of weather, but a hurricane is a large storm. And so um, storms are a part of sea life However, a ship in the, is in the ocean and you're going to have heavy weather. So ships are typically on a very tight schedule. Just the fuel alone on ships can be tens of thousands of dollars a day. So a two or three day delay or deviation can cost big money. So most cargo ships are designed to tough it out, but the heaviest of weather 
um, tough it out through the heaviest of weather and stay on schedule, but hurricanes are the largest and among the most dangerous storms on the ocean, and no crew wants to find itself in the midst of one, unless you have an experienced uh, driver. They have technology that'll help guide them. They can even go to some ports to weather the storm, but not all ports are built for hurricanes. Cargo ships don't always head for the nearest port when a hurricane approaches because not all ports after offer the same kind of shelter. They go to a port that is a hurricane hole, which is going to be a port with very good holding and with high cliffs or mountains around the harbor to protect you from the winds. Once in port, crews anchor the ship, leaving plenty of slack in the anchor chain to prevent the motion of the waves from snapping the chain. They might also put the ship's engine in reverse to put pressure on the anchor. If all else fails and they have to face a hurricane at sea, this is what they do. They try to steer for an area of the ocean that is going to see the shallowest waves and the lowest winds. The low side or clean side of the storm is usually the side counterclockwise from its leading edge. All these terms. <laughs> the right side, basically the right side is the most dangerous part of the storm or what's called the dirty part of the storm. In the teeth of the storm, a ship's survival depends on two things. Number one is sea room. Sea room means that the ship is a safe distance from anything it might crash into, like a coastline. Cargo ships try to stay well offshore if they must face a major storm at sea. Number two is steering way. Steering way means that the ship is moving forward with enough power to steer rather than just getting pushed around by the waves and wind. The ship must keep its bow, the front end, pointing in, into the waves to plow through them safely. Since a massive wave striking the ship's side could roll the vessel over and sink it, Wind and waves will try to turn the vessel, and pushing against them requires forward, forward momentum. Winning a fight against the sea depends on having a well-maintained ship and a trained and experienced crew. Forward motion through the wind and the waves. That's how we're to weather any storm that we face in our life. Forward motion. We get out there. You know, it's, the first example says um, sea room. So basically, they don't get close to the shoreline. They get out away from the shoreline because the wind and the wave can run them into the to shoreline and it could tear up the boat. It could crash them. You got to stay away from those people in your life who are negative and who are not willing to go through the storm with you. Don't let them direct you off the wrong path. Don't let them tell you, stop, don't confess the word. You should be doing this or you should be doing that. You're never going to get better. Only God's only going to partially heal you. He can only do this. He can only do that. This is something that he wants you to do. This sickness is because of something that you did. Steer away from those people. 
and get right out in that storm and speak the word and continue your forward motion with him. And as you are speaking the word, he gives you the power to plow right through that storm. And you notice in that illustration, it said, sometimes the storm is unavoidable. What did Jesus tell us about that? He said, in this life, you will have trouble. You're going to go through some things. He let us know. There are some storms that are unavoidable. There are some things that we're going to go through in life that are unavoidable. But we don't quit. We don't give up. We've got an experienced crew to get us through. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they will direct us right in the eye of the storm and get us right to the other side. In Acts 27, when Paul was on that ship with that crew of people, he was like telling them, you know, don't go out there, don't do this. But once they got out there in those storms, he said, okay, you know, the the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit came to him in the night and told him, an angel came and said, hey, there'll be no loss of life. You're going to lose the, the, you know, stuff on the the cargo. You're going to lose some different things. The ship is going to be torn up, but there will be no loss of life. Holy Spirit spoke to him. So he had the confidence when he woke up in the morning, and he was like, look, we're going to go through some rough waters, but you will have your life. Just listen, just follow the direction, follow his instruction, and he will get you through. And one of the ways he helps us to get through the storm of sickness and disease is that we confess the word. We speak what he says. There's power in his word and there's power in speaking his word. Faith gives action to the power. So when you speak, his power backs his word. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27, this is a story of Jesus calming the storm. It says, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake. This is the New Living Translation with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was great calm. He spoke. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and wave obey him. When we speak the word, even the winds and the waves obey. There's winds and waves and things coming against you in life. Speak the word. They have to obey the word. John 16, 33 in the Amplified says, I've told you these things so that... In me, you may have perfect peace and confidence. That's why Jesus was asking him, you were with me. Why are you allowing this storm to get you so riled up? I'm right here. And if he's sleeping, you can sleep. Verse 
In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Have perfect peace and confidence in him. So he warned us about it, which means things are going to happen, but then he also gave us a solution, which is trusting in him, being confident in him, being confident in his word, being confident that what he promised us will come to pass. The Passion Translation note for that scripture says, Jesus has taken away the power this world has to defeat us and has conquered it for us. Peace is resting in his victory. His victory is our victory. That's how he's always done it. Whatever he does belongs to us. He went to the cross on our behalf for us. It belongs to us. Redemption belongs to us. Victory belongs to us. It's our right to claim it. He did it for us. What is confession? I'm going to give you three definitions of confession. Number one, you've probably heard this before. I think Pastor Dave actually said it this morning. Number one, confession is saying the same thing. It means to believe and say what God says about our sins, our sicknesses, and everything else included in our redemption. Confession, saying the same thing that God says. He makes it really easy. Have you ever had a little kid follow you around and repeat stuff? <laughs> that like causes so many fights with kids. If you want to be that annoying little kid, as soon as somebody says something, then you repeat and say what they say. Hi, hi, bye, bye. What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop copying me. Stop copying me. Stop saying what I'm saying. Stop saying what I'm saying. So many fights, so many arguments. I was that annoying cousin. I have an older cousin. He's like a brother to me. We grew up more like brother and sister, and I would annoy the snot out of him every opportunity I could get. And that was definitely one of the things that I did. And I bust in his room. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? We go back and forth, and then I slam the door and take off running. But God says, I want you to do that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I am healed. I am healed. I am strong. I am strong. Number two, confession is an affirmation of a Bible truth we have embraced. It's you giving your agreement. It's an affirmation of a Bible truth we have embraced. We are affirming by his stripes, I am healed. I believe that truth, and I'm going to keep speaking that truth. Number three, confession is simply believing with our hearts and repeating with our lips God's own declaration of what we are in Christ. Believing with our hearts, repeating with our lips God's own declaration of what we are in Christ. It's simply just saying out loud who we are. I am a child of God. 
I am strong in him and in the power of his might. I am healed. I am whole. whole. I walk in love today. I am patient. I am kind. I am long-suffering. I am a child of the most high God. I have all of my needs taken care of. I have no lack in my life. It's just speaking what he says. Sometimes we make it harder than what it is. We're trying to figure out, well, is it, is it God's will? Or should we do this? Or should I do that? Or should I say this? Or should I say that? He's made it so simple. Just confess. What, just say what he says. Say it until you believe it. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself. Christianity is called a confession. In Hebrews 3.1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Jesus, our high priest, acts on our behalf according to what we confess, which is in accordance with God's word. So he acts on what we confess out of the word of God. If we want him to move on our behalf, if we want him in our situation, if we want him helping us, guiding us, directing us, delivering us out of that, then we have to bring the word into the situation with our mouth and then he brings the power on that word. He doesn't put power on, oh snap. Oh boy. Ay, ay, ay. Oh me. I'm so dumb. Why did I do that? What's wrong with me? That's not going to help the situation. Okay, you got it out. Get it out. But then you need to speak the word. By his stripes, I am healed. By, because of his healing power, this pain has to go. Sickness cannot live in my body. I've been delivered from sickness and disease. I am healthy. I am strong. I am full of life. I am full of the power of God. The greater one lives on the inside of me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I am smart, I'm bright, and I'm good looking. <laughs> I'm wise. I'm wiser than all the kids in my class. I'm the smartest one in my class. I understand math. <laughs> I can add, <laughs> I can multiply. I need to confess that stuff more. <laughs> Romans 10, eight through 10 in the New King Translation says, but what 
does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We don't stop with the new birth in our confession. That's where we miss it. Salvation includes deliverance, restoration, protection, and healing. It begins with a new birth, but it does not end there. It's the beginning of a way of life. If you don't believe the word, it won't work for you. But if you believe the word and you continually confess the word, it works for you. So if you confess that Jesus was Lord and you became saved, then you confess that Jesus is my healer and you receive his healing. So our confession doesn't just stop there. It didn't say only confess to receive the new birth. It says salvation. And all of it is included in salvation. So we continually confess the word, right? It's saying the same thing. It's believing and confessing before experiencing the result. So when you got saved, you confessed that you believed and then you received the new birth, correct? Right? That's how it worked. You didn't see it first, you confessed it, then you received it. It's the same thing. It's the same principle. It's the same thing. Confession comes first, and then Jesus, our high priest, responds with the new birth. It's not salvation unto confession, but confession unto salvation. Confession before salvation. There's no such thing as salvation without confession. Faith is acting upon God's word, and this always puts God to work fulfilling his promise. Confess receive, confess, receive, speak the word, receive the word. So what should we be confessing? It's a good question, huh? <laughs> a lot of times when we think of the word confession, we think of confessing our sins. Now, I went to Catholic school from first through fourth grade, and in the Catholic church, you have to go to the priest and you have to confess your sins, confess everything you did. You sit in this little booth and then he tells you do five or six Hail Marys, do this, do that, and then you're forgiven of your sins. So a lot of times when you think of confession, we think of it on the negative side. Like, you know, I'm confessing I did something wrong or, you know, admitting to this and admitting to that. And Yes, that confession of our sin was necessary in order for us to receive salvation, but confession on the positive side is speaking the word and receiving what he has for us. Right? Confession is speaking what God says saying the same thing as he said. All that Jesus did in his substitutionary work belongs to the believer. So throughout our Christian life, God wants us to believe with our heart and say with our lips, 
all he says we are in Christ. We are to confess what Jesus did on the cross as our emancipation proclamation from everything outside of the will of God and act accordingly. We've been freed from sin and the effects of sin. You know, the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, January 1st, um, Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation as a nation um, approached its third year of bloody civil war. The proclamation declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforward shall be free. So now that was in January 1st of 1863. A freedom came. The slaves were free. But then there's this new holiday that we celebrate, and it's called Juneteenth. Two years later, there was a group of slaves that did not know that two years prior they had been set free. So they were living in slavery, but they had been free. We've been made free by the blood of Jesus. But if you don't read your word, then you're walking around bound by sin, bound by sickness, bound by disease. And he's like, hey, I already took care of that. I'm here to announce to you tonight, you have been set free from sickness and disease. If you confess Jesus as Lord, you received his salvation. And part of that salvation was deliverance from sickness and disease. Now, maybe you didn't know that. So mark tonight as your Juneteenth and your holiday. That year, 2,000 years ago, he did it and you... You had it then, and so now it's time for you to walk in it. Live like you're free. Use your voice to speak the word. We are to confess that our sicknesses were laid on Christ and that we are redeemed from the curse of disease. Let him that is weak say, I am for the Lord is my strength. Our confession includes the whole of scripture truth. It includes all that his sacrifice provided. So we're speaking the truth of the word. We're speaking what he provided for us in his sacrifice. We're, we're confessing all that his high priesthood covers. And number four, we're confessing the whole of God's revealed will. We need to read the word to know what belongs to us. We need to read the to know, word to know what we've been freed from. We let people tell us. We let people pull us into the shore and say, that's not right. We let religion and, and, and weird laws dictate to us when God says you've been set free. We let our bodies tell us how it should live when we should be telling our bodies how it should live. We speak to this thing. Our tongue governs this thing.
That scripture talks about, um, in Proverbs, this is life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's so powerful. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. If your words are that powerful, the Bible's telling you that life and death are in them, speak life. You tell your body how it's gonna act. We are to make continual confession of our redemption from Satan's dominion. Hold fast to your confession. We are to know what our rights are as revealed by the word and then hold fast to our confession of them. When you know that Christ took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, hold fast to your confession of it. Confession. 